Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Hallelujah. It's great to say that, isn't it? Amen. Yes, sir. It's all through Lent. We haven't been able to say that word, the A word. It's hard to do. And now we can say, and it's hard not to say it, isn't it? It really is. Right? But even during Lent, as we prepare ourselves for the Easter mysteries, the sacraments, Right, we then we get to say Alleluia at Easter time. Alleluia! How beautiful that is that we would be able to say that, and uh, how beautiful it is that you'd be here with us here in the luxurious corner booth. Uh, I'm Deacon Jeff, and joined here by uh, Tom Dorian, my yes, sidekick and yes, wingman, Alleluia partner. Alleluia, you. Brother. And we are um, we're going to talk about Easter. We're going to talk about the resurrection and how beautiful it is. That we would experience this every year, that we get this opportunity in our liturgical season. It kind of rolls back around. It's kind of the highest point of the year, isn't it? You know what? It is. It's, uh, it is the source and the summit. And, and a lot of people think that the greatest feast really is Christmas. It's not. And maybe as kids it is because we get all those presents. Right. right? Santa Claus comes and oh, all yeah. these great things happen. And, of course, we like that fact that Jesus is born. But Santa Claus <laughs> comes. You know, as kids, you're, you, you know. You, yeah, you, there's that. That's right. But you get into to Christmas a lot. And a lot of people think, well, that's the sort of the high. It is a high holy day. It is. Christmas indeed. day, right? But at the same time, why was Jesus born? Why did he become incarnate? Right. Yep. To do what he did at Easter. That's exactly right. Right. Good Friday. Leading in to Easter Sunday and how beautiful that is. And that, I kind of want to talk from that perspective okay. and realize that well, I think one of the reasons why we love to say Alleluia, mm-hmm. right, and why we rejoice in Easter is really because we've just come through the, the most beautiful three days, I think, in the church's calendar. The Triduum. Oh, yeah, the Easter Triduum and how beautiful. And, and I just love that experience. And I, I really love it now because I didn't love it when I was younger. And you're going to tell everybody what the Triduum is, right? We are. It's the, it's the three days, the Paschal Triduum, the, mm-hmm. the sacred three days. It's really a liturgical season unto itself. Mm-hmm. Lent is over right? Right at, at evening prayer um, on Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. Right or or before evening at Holy Thursday because we right. don't do evening prayer on Holy Thursday if we participate in that the Mass of the Lord's Supper Holy uh, on Holy Thursday. But really, when Holy Thursday night begins, mm-hmm. so ends Lent. Right, and then we have this little three day season. Right, right. They didn't really actually technically make it a season until the 1950s, but really. Mm-hmm. This is a three-day season that um, is unto itself sort of leading us into Easter because we're not into Easter yet, mm-hmm. but we've left Lent. Right. So where are we? We're in the Triduum. Right. And this is the most beautiful. Uh, you know, when you were younger, did you did you go to the Easter Triduum? Did you go to Holy yeah, Thursday? Did. You did? We actually did. Did you like it? You know, when you're younger, you don't appreciate it. I, I, I totally, totally honestly, I, I did not like it. I mean, it, we're, it was we're, long. we're washing feet, we're kissing crosses, and everything is long. There's nothing oh, short. You're right. Right? There's a lot of silence. But and, once you understand it, oh, yeah. it is spectacular. It's huge. It is huge. And unfortunately, I was later in life when I understood it. Because right. when I was a young man, we went a couple of times, but I think I hated it. So that to the point where when I was in college and kind of like sort of losing my faith, right? then I didn't realize how important it was to remember what... What Jesus did on Holy Thursday in, in establishing the the priesthood, right. uh, establishing the Eucharist, establishing the Mass, 
Yep. Right, that we do every Sunday is what he did on that Holy Thursday night. That's right. Right, and so how beautiful that is. And then that just carries over. as one. It's one liturgy. It's one long liturgy. There's no dismissal. Spread over three days. That's exactly right. There's no, there's no dismissal on, on Holy Thursday. So, right. you know, they process out with the Eucharist and, uh, and, and, they and do take it Jesus silently. to the altar of repose. Well, they typically sing like the Pange Lingua. They chant. Right. It's just beautiful, very solemn. Right. Right. And we go, and then there's this silent period of time where we we adore christ for you know we stay with him for three hours or whatever can you not stay with me for but one hour you know and right. and uh, uh and pray with me and we do that you know on holy thursday night which then we just leave in silence and then um and then we we do what we come back on on good friday right and we remember his his passion that's exactly right and his death and it's so beautiful and one of the things that's so great about that i think is the idea that we 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 realize in experiencing the Triduum, mm-hmm. right, which ends really at the Easter Vigil. Right. Right. We go through Holy Saturday when Jesus is in the tomb after has has been crucified. Mm-hmm. He's taken down and put in the tomb. And so that's why there's there's no masses. There's nothing happens on. We don't do masses on Good Friday. Right. And then Saturday morning, we don't do anything. Right. It's, you know, it tumbleweeds blowing through the church. Right. Jesus is not there. The only people in the church are the ladies decorating, <laughs> getting true. ready for the beautiful Easter, bringing all the lilies and stuff. But but we, it's all shrouded and, and, and closed and quiet, and it's not a big um, – we don't go in there to the not church. Not a lot of pray. pomp. Right, exactly. And Jesus is not in the tabernacle. Right. There's no holy water in the fonts. It's it's dry and arid. It really is. And it's, we're remembering Jesus being in the tomb. Right. Right, so that – when we have the Easter Vigil, which yeah. is what St. Augustine called the Vigil of Vigils, the greatest Mass that ever was is mm-hmm. this Easter Vigil, how beautiful it is. When we, when we experience that, it's like, boom. Even though it's night, the lights are on. The, the, right. you know, the, the light of Christ leads us into the church. It's so beautiful, but it's, I think it's made more beautiful because of our experience for the, for the three days leading up to that. Oh, absolutely. Right? That, that you know, we enter into this great mystery with Christ on Holy Thursday in the Mass of the Lord's Supper, and then we experience with him that suffering and death. And I just want to talk about that for a second. I know we've done a show about this idea of of, of being passionate about our, about our faith and what passion means and where that comes from. But just this idea that Jesus is going to suffer, mm-hmm. right? And he truly did. Isaiah said that, you know, in that 53rd... Uh, chapter of Isaiah, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we were healed. And so we understand there's a purpose to his suffering. Right. Right? But we but to experience it, mm-hmm. to realize that Jesus suffered, right, is important for us. And then our connection to that suffering. Right. I mean, what does is, what is, uh, Matthew tell us in, in the, his 10th chapter? He says, and he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Right? And, then, and Luke echoes, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Right. Right? And even St. Paul says to the Romans, we are children of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And this connection to suffering, mm-hmm. it's important. In fact, you know, he also tells the Colossians, Right. He says, I, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Right. Right. And he says, in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. So that St. Paul's saying, I've got to 
what, what's lacking in Christ's afflictions? Well, it's his participation. It's my participation. It's your participation. Right. We're, we're, called, we're called to suffer. And suffering is important. And Pick up I, our crosses. Yeah. You know, um, um, Pope Emeritus Benedict the sixteenth mm-hmm. said, The cross reminds us that there is no true love without suffering. There is no gift of life without pain. Mm-hmm. Right? And so understanding this concept and this connection to the resurrection, that suffering mm-hmm. is required for the resurrection to be what it is right. for us. And Saint, um, uh, the, the saints have always said this. Right, St. Paul's telling us that we got to participate. And even, you know, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI would say that you, you, can't, you can't have happiness. You can't have true love without suffering. Right. Right, that's, that's true love, what Jesus did on the cross. And it teaches all of us that happens. But then, you know, another great person, I have no idea whether or not he's a saint. Mm-hmm. But we've all heard of William Shakespeare. I don't think he's a saint, Dick and Jeff. You don't know? I, I don't think he is. I mean, but uh, but but maybe an unofficial <laughs> saint. Could right. he be in heaven? Absolutely. Oh yeah. But he did say some wise things in his plays. Sure. And one of the things that that comes out of William Shakespeare is all that live must die, passing through nature to eternity. That's true. Right. That death is a necessary step. Mm-hmm. Right. We know that Jesus died. Mm-hmm. Right. Jesus in, in Luke chapter twenty three. There at the end, it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus died. Right. You know, God died for us in, in, in total self-gift. Mm-hmm. And we see that, you know, is necessary. You know, William Shakespeare realized it was necessary. It's necessary That's for true. us to death in order to pass into eternity. Yep. That this world will pass away. It will die. We die in the natural course of events. Mm-hmm. Now, there will be people that may not die if Jesus came tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? You and I wouldn't necessarily die unless we died tomorrow morning before he showed up, you know? Right. Well, I wouldn't want that to happen. But the point is, many of us may not die That's if nice. Jesus comes back, right? Right. And yet, death is a necessary thing, and we experience it all the time in our own lives. Right. We're reminded that on Ash Wednesday that... That we are dust, and to dust we shall return. That's right. Right? We expect that. And even St. Rose of Lima, one of the beautiful saints, she says, apart from the cross, there is no other ladder by which we get to heaven. Right. Right? So in that suffering, in that death, mm-hmm. that's how we attain heaven. Right. Right? See, and seeing that helps us to understand so beautifully that gift of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. That The idea that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, this is important. You know... That we realize that Jesus, it, 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 no um, magician or soothsayer or, uh, you know, there was no weird um, uh, shenanigans going on, on that allowed Jesus to be resurrected, to, to live again, to come back to life. Mm-hmm. On his own power, as God Almighty, Jesus overcame death. Right. Right. And the beautiful hope that gives us, and I hope people realize that, that, you know, if if Jesus can overcome death, all the problems we have in our lives, you know, are, are tiny compared to, to death. Right. Jesus can overcome. So we have, we, we, we receive, we receive hope. That's exactly right. We receive hope in that. In fact, you know, it's nice to live a life of hope, but I, I would understand that some of us, you know, we got struggles. Oh, everybody does. Everybody does. Everybody's suffering in some way, shape or form. I mean, I imagine could be you physical could be could be financial. 
you know, you don't suffer family though, problems, right? You don't have any problems, Tom. You I actually have happy. a perfect life. I have a perfect life. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you recognize that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although you Married also. perfect now, woman. Although it, not, that part I'll agree with. That's right. But the rest actually, of you. she's a saint. Yeah, she is a living saint. Yeah. Go, Cindy. You're doing exactly. a good job, Cindy. Exactly. But really, seriously, we all have issues. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we can't go through this life without suffering, without having some kind of, uh, some kind of pain right. and experience. And. And you know, so what's the answer? I mean, how do we how do we reconcile all that? What what is it that we need to do? And actually, the answer is simple. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come right after this break. <laughs> of course, I love doing that. Of I course. love doing that. We're going to talk about the answer <laughs> to our own suffering and our problems in life when we come back. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home we have a great website www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email. Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And if you want to know the answer, answer, you got to come back right after this. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. How can someone so small and weak in the eyes of the world have such a tremendous impact on the spiritual lives of millions around the globe? St. Therese of Lisieux, better known as the Little Flower, was this small person. Born in France over a century ago, she has changed the spiritual landscape of the entire world. St. Therese believed that little things done with great love were more pleasing to God than the mightiest deeds. She wrote, Love proves itself by deeds, so how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering little flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least action for love. The little flower grew up as the youngest of five living children. She was a sensitive child who felt things deeply. These deep feelings and her thoughtful attitude led her to a strong prayer life at a very young age. By her own account, she would find a quiet place and spend hours contemplating the love of the Heavenly Father. As Therese entered her teen years, her older sisters began to go into religious life. This led the little flower to seek entrance to the Carmelite Monastery at the tender age of 14. She was initially refused by the superiors of the order, but her persistence paid off by taking her appeal all the way to the Pope in Rome. The superiors of the order were impressed by her persistence and maturity and allowed her to enter the Carmelite order at the age of 15. The next nine years were spent in quiet contemplation and service inside the tiny convent in Lisieux. Toward the end of her time in the convent, she began to suffer from the effects of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, a deadly infectious disease that attacks the lungs, leaves the sufferer with a chronic cough, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. St. Therese suffered seriously from this disease. She was reported to have said, I have reached the point of not being able to suffer anymore because all suffering is sweet to me. She accepted her affliction as a gift from God and saw it as a sign of his friendship with her. Little everyday things done in great love can lead us to a life of grace and deeper union with Christ. The little flower can show us the way. 
I'm Bess Trzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe on Easter. Good day. Celebrating Hallelujah. the resurrection of our Lord. Uh, how yes, beautiful indeed. that is. It is beautiful. Uh, so wonderful to know. And so we were just talking about this idea of being, I don't know, saddened by all the things that, you know, the sufferings and yeah, the things. life. But at the same time, realizing that until we've truly suffered, we can't truly love. It's true. Right? The, the absence is what brings the longing for the presence. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that when our... Um, you know, if our, my, my wife goes off, she went recently for a one-week visit to her mother's mm-hmm. house, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I should say mother and father. So she went to visit her parents, you know, and, and you know. She while, suffered because she missed you. No, I was going to say that I suffered because she was gone. I missed oh, her. Okay. You know, I don't, she was with mama and daddy, and she was drinking coffee and whatever. She wasn't even about and you. And she had all the kids with her. So I enjoyed, like, that first, like, day. It was, like, really quiet in the house. <laughs> but then I started realizing, like, like, I like the noise. I like the kids. I love having them around me. And so I missed them. Right. And, and the, the, the absence of my wife and kids really made me long for their presence. Mm-hmm. Right? In the same way, when, when we suffer... Right, that makes us really truly appreciate that that new life, and we have to have hope, even in our suffering. And that's that's the thing that the resurrection should give us, hope. Right, it should give us hope that we should see in Christ Jesus this idea that we we are going to join yeah. with Him. Now, think about this for a second. We've all heard about this miserable guy. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say miserable because he wasn't, but. The guy had miserable experiences, and that is Job, right? We read in the book of Job in the Old oh, Testament, yeah. and all the horrible things that beset him, right? Yeah. That this that the that God and was w- with the devil here and mm-hmm. allowed the devil to do all these terrible things, essentially testing Job's faith. Mm-hmm. And after all of that, right in the nineteenth chapter of that book of Job, we read this where Job says, "For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last He will stand upon the earth." And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then from my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. That he's still fainting from love of God, even after all of this Mm -hmm. that has beset him, that like an average person like you or me, I don't think we would be able to. Right. Imagine losing all your kids and all the, you know, and not just in simple ways. One tenth of what he went through. Oh, my goodness. He couldn't cope. Right. And so we see this idea that he took that suffering just as an opportunity to love the Lord more. Right. And that's that is that is so powerful. But again, knowing that Jesus was resurrected. Mm hmm. And then here's another thing. This is what's important for all of us to understand. It's not just that Jesus resurrected, mm-hmm. that he overcame death, that he, he's in heaven now sitting you know, on, on, on his throne uh, and he will be sitting in judgment. It's not that he's there because he deserves that. I mean, that is his rightful place. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is because he loves each one of us mm-hmm. and because he died, that dying part mm-hmm. leading to the resurrection, that's what gives us hope. That's right. A lot of people don't realize that we, too, are going to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Right? Think about what uh, what Jesus s- said, you know, uh, through John. Mm-hmm. Right? The John the Apostle in the 11th chapter quotes Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. 
There it is. All right, so we're going to be in heaven with Jesus. Right. But more than that, a lot of people don't realize that we also get a couple of clues from mm-hmm. Scripture mm-hmm. that I want to read a couple of things that help us understand what it's going to be like. Right. We It's still mysterious, right? It's still mysterious, but we read in the first letter of John, we do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Hmm. So at the end of time, right, judgment or whatever, we're standing before him, we're going to see God. Mm-hmm. We're going to be like God because we see him as he is. Mm. Now, that means we're a perfect reflection. It doesn't mean we're going to be gods. Right. It means we're going to see him as he is, right. which means that we in our we're going to be resurrected. Right. To be with him in glory, which means, which seems to intimate that we're going to have our bodies in heaven. And we find that when uh, St. Paul is talking to the Corinthians, right, in his first letter in the 15th chapter, he says, but we will all be changed in an instant in the blink of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed and he says this because people are asking, but some someone may say, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come back? And that's his answer. He says we'll be changed. And so the church has this teaching that we, too, will have glorified bodies. Right. Now, I don't know about you, Tom, but my body doesn't feel very glorified right now. <laughs> I'm 53 years old. It doesn't look very glorified thing, either. I know. Things hang where they that's were, why we're hanging the before. Things are sore. Oh, yeah. You know, and and just, you know, pain. I'm laughing with you, man. Well, you know what? What I'm praying for is that that, that God's idea of a glorified body is mine, <laughs> which is I'm going to be like 19. I'm going to be buff. There you right? go. Right? My, you know, muscles, and I'll just be healthy and fit. I'll never right. tire. Right. And I'm hoping that's what. <laughs> yeah. Some people have conjectured that when you come back or when your body comes, you rejoin your body, mm-hmm. right, at the last judgment, that. Um, that you'll be like 33 because that's how old Jesus was when he died. Some people even say that. Interesting. You know, it's just an interesting theory. Yeah. We don't know. We don't have a clue. But we know that our bodies will be glorified. And most importantly, that we're going to be in heaven with him. Right. Right. We are going to be celebrating the resurrection, his resurrection, but li- and likewise, our resurrection to be with him. Right. In our glorified body that we, too, can raise up right. out of the ashes. Right, you you think about this again, you, you know when a, when a forest fire devastates mm-hmm. a, this a great forest, yeah, and you see nothing but miles and miles and miles of black ash and soot right. and ruin and desolation, and yet, in a mysterious way, mm-hmm. in the middle, a little green sprig comes up, yeah, a little bloom, and all of a sudden, within a few years, sometimes even shorter, that entire forest is it's repopulated, back. yeah. And flourishing, that new life comes from death, right? The seasons, right? The winter turns to spring, right? You know, and, and it's it's just so interesting to see. In fact, we hear that in the Song of Songs, mm-hmm. right? The, how beautiful this is in that in the in the in the second um, uh, chapter we read, "My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past." The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Mm. A beautiful love poem. Oh, yeah. And yet it speaks of life that comes after the rains, right? right? After the winter, after the death 
comes life. And that's what we have to look forward to. And, and so many of, of the early Christians, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, he says, Alleluia, Christ is truly risen. We can make absolutely no qualification of this fact, whatever. Christ has really, truly, and substantially risen, body and blood, soul and divinity, from the dead. The whole Christ has risen indeed for the completion of the work of our redemption. Mm-hmm. That should give us hope. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I, I like it when St. Thomas says stuff like that. It makes me feel a little better. It does. All right. Well, another saint, St. Saint mm-hmm. Gregory Nazianzen. Mm-hmm. He said, today is the day of salvation for the world. He's talking about Easter, right? Christ is risen from the dead. Arise with him. Mm-hmm. Right? In his resurrection, we rise with him. Right? That's what he says. Christ returns to himself. You also must return to him. Christ has come forth from the tomb. Free yourselves from the fetters of evil. The gates of hell are open, and the power of death is destroyed. Right? The old Adam is superseded, the new perfected in Christ. A new creation is coming to birth. Renew yourself. So this Easter is an opportunity for all of us to gather together right, and celebrate Easter with the, the, the hope that we, too, will be resurrected with Christ to return to him. There you go. Right? Always to praise him for eternity. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the rub. The, the question we have to ask ourselves. Well, actually, there's several questions. Okay. Right? Do we really engage in the resurrection. Like I, I did a show called living the resurrection about, about this idea of living as a person who knows they're going to be resurrected. Right. Mm-hmm. And how that, that beautiful uh, feeling of living the resurrection. But we have to ask ourselves some questions to see if all these things, if we take them seriously, if we really truly believe this stuff, right. One question is, do I really truly believe Jesus rose from the dead? Tough question. It is a tough question because we go through life. You know, people are wondering whether God exists, let right. alone whether he rose from the dead. Right. Right. Is that, a, is that a fairy tale or is it true? Do we believe it? Mm-hmm. Right. And if we do believe it, this next question, what does his power over death mean for me? Yeah. Okay. So why is it a big deal that he resurrected? Well, sure, he's God. He's resurrected. Of course he did. Well, there's hope for our resurrection. That's right. What does it mean to me? Do, do I believe that? And then really, what does it mean for the whole world? Right. right, the glorified new earth, a new heaven and a new earth, yeah. right at the end of time. And then, like, in our own lives, this question, do I see new life springing from death? We, we've got to get on board. We've got to get on the train. Right. We've got to see new life in the suffering that we have. That we've got to realize that Jesus Christ did overcome death and that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of our problems. Amen. Right, that we'll be resurrected with him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. amen. Let's pray. O God, who on this day through your only begotten Son have conquered death and unlocked for us the path to eternity, grant, we pray, that we who keep the solemnity of the Lord's resurrection may, through the renewal brought by your Spirit, rise up in the light of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.